Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks so much for joining us and please subscribe to the show so you hear about all of our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. It's been two long years since I attended the PGA show in Orlando, and although I was apprehensive about getting on a plane from Vancouver, with the Omicron variant still swirling around us, I'm glad I made the decision to go. After hundreds of Zoom calls over the last 24 months has pushed me to the point of burnout, reconnecting with old golf industry friends and meeting some new ones face-to-face was exactly the medicine my spirit needed. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and on this episode, we're going to give you two for the price of one, as my guests are Charlie Klaus, co-founder CEO at Spark Golf, and Euphoria Golf founder CEO Patrick Ferris, who I met up with at the 2022 PGA Show. Hey everyone, we are live from the PGA show. We're going to be doing a couple of podcasts from here. And today, my guest right beside me here, if you're watching the video, you can see him. And that is Charlie Klaus, who is the co-founder and CEO of Spark Golf. And Charlie reached out to me a couple months ago and we've been back and forth having a conversation, trying to figure out when we're going to make this happen. And it's the first time I've been on the road in two years, like most people, a little thing called COVID. So this is amazing. I actually get to sit next to an actual human being and have a conversation. So to start, Charlie, hey, thanks for joining me and welcome to the Mod Call Podcast. Thanks, Colin. Welcome to Orlando. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, first let's start with the weather here. What's going on? I came from Vancouver where it was about like 48 degrees and rainy. I come here and it's colder and raining even more. So It's it's absolutely awful. Like, this is the worst stretch of Orlando weather we've had all year. And honestly, uh, the last couple winters or seasons, I can't remember it. Yeah. It's bad. You just do not want me to play any golf while I'm yeah. here, do you? Well, you can go play. I'll still get want. out there. Yeah. I'm, I am Canadian, eh? Yeah. So I'll get out there and I, swing club. I won't go. Oh, I already did on Sunday. I'll play. I'll play. So, hey, I always like to start. It's a good segue. Is an icebreaker here to get us going here, Charlie. So with golf, the backstory, I always love to hear that story. The first time you ever picked up a golf club, what turned you onto the game, and maybe share some magical moment. You, a great swing, a great hole, or maybe it was something that is a great story because something really went bad. Why don't you start with that, yeah, with, the, with those absolutely. two things? I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and actually came from a family that didn't play golf. Mom didn't play golf, dad didn't play golf, but grandpa did. And All right. So I started at a par three course with grandpa, just hanging out on the weekends. So he was a guy that put the club in my hands and I kind of just kept playing. Grew up as a hockey player and kind of liked hockey actually better than golf. So golf was like a second thing, but it was a grandpa thing for me. And I would say ultimately too, my first job ever was at a golf course. So okay. All right. At the Cart Barn at Far Oaks Golf Club in St. Louis. Right. And did it on a worker's permit when I was 15 years old. And yeah, so I've always kind of been in the industry from an early age. Nice, nice. So, okay, golf is all about experiences. And we're going to talk yeah. about spark golf with that. I'm sure that what you're doing is very experiential. That's part of your secret yeah. sauce. So you personally, can you share one thing, some great shots, something that really went bad for you, but is something that you remember and look back and laugh at now? A lot of bad shots <laughs> that I can remember. Um, I've never had a hole in one, had some hole outs, but honestly, like for me, it's more about just the fun and casualness and like the memories with buddies on golf trips and stuff like that, that like I always go to and. And either if it's me having a bad shot and we having a laugh or watching somebody else do it and everybody having a laugh together, it's like, I, it's, it's hard to point to just one. Fair me, enough. Honestly. Fair enough. Well, that's a good thing. You've got lots to choose from. So uh, let's move right forward to Spark Golf yeah. here. So, you know, with the podcast here, I'm always interested in the backstory of your entrepreneurial journey, your why, your purpose, rather than just having an idea of something called Spark Golf with a couple of buddies over a couple yeah. of beers after on the 19th hole. 
you've made this thing happen. So what, at the beginning, what opportunities or gaps or pain points, what was missing? Was that personal or your friends? So, so talk about the origin story yeah. of Spark Golf and why you decided to go for it. So like you said, it was a group of friends and we were a good group of friends for business, right? We had some sales and ops guys, we had a technology guy and we were all golfers, loved the game. And back then this was like 2016, 2017, when honestly the story of golf wasn't going in a great direction, right? Yeah. Before the pandemic um, really boosted it. And at that time we were thinking we want to do something and we were looking like, well, what's working? Numbers aren't looking good. There's bad Wall Street Journal articles, bad Forbes articles. And at that time, Topgolf was killing it, right? Yeah. I mean, they yeah. maybe had 10 locations, something like that. But we were like green grass on course guys. So we wanted to see like, well, how can we bring that Topgolf vibe to a green grass facility? And obviously you can't just build a Topgolf. So we kind of looked into it and what Spark Golf is ultimately is we're trying to create a, a new brand of on-course golf that's social, it's fun, it's inclusive, so anybody can come play and it's very relaxed. And obviously at that time we thought like, well, what can we do? And it's a golf league came yep. to mind. We're like, leagues are kind of all of that, but there's no real company doing it nationally or in North America. and. Like, and there's no technology really behind it at that time. So we went for it. We started testing leagues in Orlando where we're based and it's grown from there. Nice, yeah. nice. So when you talk about growing, so where are you now on your startup or your scale up journey now yeah. with Spark Golf? So give us the, the lay of the land here. Yeah. How many cities you're in or how many, how many regions? Yeah, so really last year was our big year. We went in 2020, we had 120 leagues. Last year we grew it to just about 900. And this year we'll have 1,200 across, I mean, really every DMA in North America. It's, it's been amazing to grow. We've went from one employee to eight. So as far as like building a company where it, it was at like my kitchen counter to see where it is now, it's, it's pretty incredible. Congratulations. That's, that's amazing. So I want to ask us, when you first started out on that kitchen counter and figuring out, well, what's the business to this? And of course, we all have ideas as entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you're like me. You've had lots of them that you love with an idea, but is it a business? And and yep. how do you price this? What's the revenue stream? Is it actually something that costs $1,000 to do and you can bring in $5 every time? Yep. That doesn't work. So talk to me a bit about that. What's the revenue stream that you have for Spark Golf? So it's one of the reasons why we landed on leagues because one is like we can partner with the course operator to actually help get golfers onto the golf course. It's what they normally do, right? They welcome golfers, get them on the golf course. And really it came down to one of our co-founders, uh, Paul Berry, who's our CTO, is technology. So we looked at it to where it became a business once we realized that we could bring technology that kind of replaces the humans of like the quote unquote league coordinators that would do all the all the things you need to do for a league where you mean get people to register, collect payment, keep score, give results. Like we were able to package that all into an app and do it for 1,200 leagues with, I mean, eight employees, which is pretty cool. Wow, wow. So if I understand here, with your leaderboards in your leagues, you've gamified this. Yep. Well, let's let's always use the, the, the player journey as an example yep. here. Let's say I sign up, I'm in Tampa. Let's say there's, there's an event this weekend, yep. I'm still here, and I managed to sign up. So tell me about that onboarding process and what that journey, what that event would be from me right now signing up to when I walk off, leave the facility after yep. hanging so out with some uh, people. It's pretty simple. We advertise online mostly, a lot of Facebook and Google. So that's how we kind of find our customers. We point them to our website, spark.golf, where they go by, they click, there's a nearby league feature or button that they click where you can view all the leagues that we have in your area. So a, a market like Tampa Bay, we've probably got 30 courses that are running leagues, spark golf leagues in Tampa. You find the one that, that works for you. You can actually play in multiple if you want. A lot of them are on different days. So we have 
really mostly Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday leagues. So okay. Weeknight after work. There are nine holes. Joining a league is free. So no commitment up front. You can join all the leagues you want and you pay per round. So we, you can pay directly in the Spark app. We collect all the money and then we uh, do our deal with the golf course to know that, and they know you're coming. They have everything set up for you and then they put you on the golf course. And then yeah. our app takes care of the rest. So you keep scoring the app and then the app does all a skins game, does the leaderboards. And we don't like to play up the competition too much because we want to be fun and yeah. casual, but there are winners and, and losers. Well, people love to win. They do. You know, there is that dopamine drip. That's why I love playing match play with a net because I'm a 16 handicap and I can play against guys that are three or four. It's like, well, you, you got to give me 12 strokes and it's fun. Yeah. And golf is the only sport as we know that you can actually have that type of competition. It really is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I can't go play basketball. I played in high school competitively, but uh, I can't go uh, play against one-on-one -on -one against LeBron because that yeah. will not end well for me. But okay. in golf, you know, I can play with someone that's a scratch and uh, it's, I couldn't it's do good it time. in hockey. That's why I'm a golfer now. <laughs> there we go. There we go. If I understand this, so your revenue model then is with the golf courses then? So you take a, a certain percentage yeah, so, off of yeah, per round to pay them uh, a rate per player and then we market it up with a week fee so it differs on courses and markets and, and whatnot but yeah so there's a week fee that's our revenue model gotcha gotcha now i know you're very big about community building you're also very big about experiences too so yep. talk us through that a bit of how you amplify the experiences to make this something that people want to buy in because we know for people to stop doing what they're doing in golf and decide they're going to do yep. come over to spark golf you've got to be offering something that's so many times better than something else, whether it's a frictionless experience you're talking about here to make it easy or some other thing. So talk about the, maybe the benefits that you have and the experiences so, you provide. It's interesting because since we're a digital company, there's no Spark employees at these leagues. Right, right. So like, right. It really comes down to creating the brand. It's more of a marketing and, and messaging of which ultimately finds the right people to come together as a community and like each other and have fun with each other, meet each other and play. And they honestly do it on their own. I, I feel like at the beginning, it's about creating that brand that they want to be a part of. And you, you start bringing like-minded people together that will get along and want to keep playing on the golf course. Nice, nice. I love storytelling. I think as everybody knows out there that follows the Mod Golf Podcast. So share a couple of stories yeah. of that you've got feedback from people that a Spark Golf tournament or experience has exceeded their expectations and they've just been gushing all over that. So, so yeah. give, give us a couple I, of I've really got, good stories. One of the best ones we had that happened actually early on in more of our testing phase where it happened at a course in Orlando, Dubstred, which is kind of the original course for Spark Golf. Okay. Um, as well as leagues at the time, we were doing like kind of date night type events. And with, because I was local, I was able to like do these and be there. And, and we were doing six hole sixums where it was a couple's night. We had a couple show up, no golf clubs. They saw our ad on Facebook. We walked up to the counter and we we're like, hey, we're here for the, the spark night. And we said, okay, great. We'll get you loaded up in a cart and we'll get you a wine, a beer, and get you out there. And they're like, well, we need golf clubs. Right. We're like, oh, okay. And, and we found out they've never actually swung a golf club before. Really? And so they go out and play. <laughs> they have an awesome time. We get more into our league business. A few months go by, and we're at another golf course in Orlando, WP9, and we're hosting a league. And this is the first round of a league where, like, there was commitment up front. And we see, um, I believe Chris was his name, show up by himself with a Callaway golf bag. All right. And he walked directly to us and me and my co-founder, Matt, at the time, was like, hey, guys, I signed up for the league. And he actually looked at us and said, I bought these golf clubs after your date night. I've been practicing and I'm a golfer now. For us, like an early stage of our company where we had the intention of doing something just like that. Yeah. Like we saw it happen and it happened with, in plain sight. And we're like, 
wow, this is really cool. And it, especially at the industry back in 16, 17, we're like, we could be creating golfers here um, yeah. in an industry that needs it at the time. It was amazing. That's what like energized us to like, okay, let's start quitting our jobs and like get, getting in this full time and take a dive into it. It was no longer the side hustle. No it was, it, the was the, hustle. it was the hustle hustle. It was the hustle hustle. Nice, nice. We're at the PGA show here, so I think it would be remiss of me not to ask you a couple of things now that you've walked around the floor. Yeah. Is there anything you've seen here that stood out so far that you find interesting or compelling uh, um, on the show floor at the PGA? Obviously, it's not what it's been, right? I mean, no. the level of people, unfortunately, is not what it's been. But like, I, I feel like still with the current environment in the world, like it's great that these people are here and showed up. I think it shows that the industry does want to come together and still participate. I think that's the biggest draw for me. And I also think the PGA with the education series and stuff that they're getting, like you're, you're starting to see more of a move toward fun and social and less traditional, which, which is great because that's what the business we're in. I think like the success of Top Golf and off course stuff, it definitely has helped with that. And it's, it's starting to make us change and innovate the on course experience. Nice, nice. I've seen the, the PGA of America is really promoting their new initiative, which is make golf your thing. Yep. So seeing what you're doing with Spark Golf, it seems like there would be a natural alignment with yeah. them. Is that something you're interested in connect with them? Does that, um, does that make yeah, a lot of sense? Possibly, I think ultimately the opportunity when you, you see the NGF numbers, 12.4 million off course only golfers, yeah. that is a massive opportunity. And I, I think Spark Golf is a perfect vehicle to get that transition them to on course because we're more social, we're less intimidating. We're a perfect vehicle to compete for those golfers and, and compete for that share along. How are you finding, Charlie, your ability to connect with not typical golfers like you and I, a couple of white yeah. guys, so be blunt about it. How are you finding to be able to connect with women and people of color? Maybe give us a breakdown of the demographics, what you see yeah. right now. Is it looking more like America looks rather than what golf has traditionally looked? Are you getting more people coming in that so, aren't traditional? Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I'm glad you asked that because actually when we went last year, we went out and got all this inventory from the courses, 120 to 900 had a lot more inventory to sell. We started running our normal Facebook campaigns as we always do. We were using our lookalike audiences from the past, which at the time were 90% white males. Yeah, and yeah. Well, we started, when we started seeing the players come through that we were acquiring and paying to acquire, it was a lot of the same because that's what we gave Facebook yep, algorithm to. Yep. We actually made a pivot and started running female only ads and ethnic ads and it started working. If you go to our Spark Instagram, you go look at the pictures. I mean, there are, people of all colors, all genders out there playing golf together. And one of the things we're trying to do at Spark, and I say trying because it is challenging is, yeah. and it really, it's not more about genders and ethnicity. It's more about skill level and getting those people to coexist on the golf course and have fun together. It's something we talk about every day as a company. And I, I believe we are, we're making strides in doing that. Nice, nice. So golf has talked about this for years, even with me being in the golf industry for eight or nine years now, this conversation has always been going on. And that is the intimidation factor. If I've never played before, yep. you gave us the example there of the couple that didn't have clubs and never swung a club before and they showed up. That is an exception to the rule. Yep. Most people would be so intimidated that they wouldn't feel welcome. So what things are you doing with Spark to make it more yep. welcoming to encourage those people to say, hey, you know what? If you never hit a ball before, that's all right. You don't really play, you don't have a handicap, yep. cool and join us so what type of messaging and positioning are you it's, in doing so i'd say one is like i think the our app is first we make it very easy super simple to actually find a league and book like so there's a very frictionless process to actually 
spend your money and get your spot in a league. Then we are partners with our golf course operators where we're kind of arming them for what's about to come. And we get the buy-in from them initially. If we go out and find these type of people, you want them at your facility and, and we're going to bring them. Yeah. And, and they might not know exactly what to do, where what to do from their car to the clubhouse to the first tee. And can you help us out with that? Everybody's in this together to grow this game. And the answer is always usually yes. Like, yes. I'm into this and we'll help spark out and get them out there. And then, like you said, it, it all comes down to messaging and creating the brand. And, and really on the far back end is support and like yeah. how we deal with issues that come up or how we relay positive stuff that comes in and tell everybody and, and just get the message out that this is less intimidating. It's okay if you pick up every single hole. It's, it's about being together, being fun, making it more social. Nice. As we know, with experiences that you're creating, that post-engagement, the after round is so crucially important. Obviously, when you first arrived, have a positive experience. So how are you managed to retain them or maintain that stickiness to have them come yeah. back once they've had a good experience or maybe not like just an okay experience to encourage them to come back? So what are you doing on the back end there to follow up with people so that have it's engaged? A, it's a great question today because the last two years, the post-round meetup is what we call it in our app. All right. Didn't really exist, right? Because a lot of clubhouses were closed because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Nobody really wanted to go indoors, the bars near the course. But this year, we're starting to see it open up. Courses are keeping their bar restaurant open for us. So we're getting them to there to hang out. And I really believe what brings them back is the community. The more we can get them to engage with each other, the more friends they're going to make. And it's just the power of the community will bring them back because they, they want to come hang out with the same people. And also, there's something to a league as well where... The NGF coined the term a couple of years ago. It's appointment golf. They know in advance that they can play, and they don't have to, but they can play every week. They can play twice a week. There's always going to be that spark golf round on Wednesday at 5.30 at Dubs Dread, and they can put in their calendars, and when it's on their calendar in advance, they're more likely to show up. Love it. Love it. So what are you doing to create community, to create that tribe so people how can I put it? Far as that brand, everybody yeah. wants that. That's kind of marketing nirvana. If you can actually then create this loyal, rabid following of people that just love golf and the only golf they want to play yep. is playing spark golf. So what are you doing or what are you experimenting with or what are you looking to do yep. to amplify that to get people to become part of your tribe and part of your community? So I think first it starts with the app. So we're going to be developing or in actually already developed be coming out with some features where they're going to be able to talk to each other more in the app, okay. whether it be direct messaging, news feeds, that stuff, like more of a social network within the app. Number two, we're also going to be, can't say yeah, but partnering with some um, other people where we're going to be doing parties and things like that and really creating where Spark Golf is not just on the course. It's going to, it can be outside, hanging out together, mm -hmm. I mean, game parties, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, and becoming friends. We have people all the time. We have direct messaging now within the app. They would be like, hey, I played with Bob two weeks ago and I forgot to get his number. Can you connect us? Because business owners are like, he should be able to do that himself within the Spark app. And let's build it. But it was cool just to get those questions. People that we brought together want to hang out together. So you're getting that customer feedback yeah. and you're listening and realize that's what people want. That's what we need to build. Exactly. Those are the yeah. features we need to build. And, and other ones that maybe didn't work out is called that minimum viable product when creating an app, like things yeah. that don't work, that feedback loop. So if you know, people aren't using that thing that you thought everyone would love then maybe you don't put that out there as yeah. much and you start building things that are adding things that people actually want to add yeah. more value so i'm really curious i always like to look at the future also so having the reach now in the number of cities and the number of regions that you're in right now if i understand if i'm going to a tournament it's just on that the leaderboard for that particular course on that day or that league 
Are you looking to expand to make things virtual so that you can actually have with the handicap slope rating of different courses that like say someone's actually playing in Southern California and someone's playing here in Tampa that you can be playing against each other in the same league. Is that something you're looking at? Is there any Um, value in that? I think that's a good question. The the value is a good question of like how big it gets. What we're doing right now, and this is new for 22, is like you said before, it used to be just your Dread league. And you fight for the leaderboard for just Dread. Now we are introducing a market championship where we have a market leaderboard that will be all the leagues. So Orlando will have 30-something leagues, and they'll be buying for what we're calling the market champ. It's also going to encourage them to hopefully play more often, right? Right. And I think that's like the first step at what something like you just suggested is let's see if they'll do it within their own market, and then we can bring it out more nationally is kind of what we're looking for. Well, that's the way way to do it. Is I didn't invent this one in the entrepreneurial space, but as they say, you got to get figure something out. So first you nail it, and then you scale it. So say, uh, sounds like you're on the nailing. Shoot bullets, then cannonballs. Absolutely. <laughs> I have not heard that one before, but I'm going to be using it now. So there you go. So hey, as we wrap this up here, why don't you let our viewers and also our listeners know where they can learn more about Spark Golf? Absolutely. Best place to go is our website. Go to spark.golf. And from there, you can go down to your location, find the closest leagues near you. Like I said, we'll have 1,200 in about 85 cities this year. So most likely there's something right next to you. Nice, nice. And most of our listeners are in the U.S., but I'm up in Canada and Vancouver. So we do have a good chunk of Canadian listeners also. Are you in Canada or other countries yet? We are in Canada. We're going to have, we'll probably have about 20 across Ontario. So mostly Toronto, but like some down to like London area. And then actually this year we are launching Calgary and Vancouver. All right. Um, we won't have as many, like probably two or three in each market at first. And okay. Then grow from there. Well, being a Vancouverite, I'll have to check it out. You play a little spark golf this summer. You should. There we yeah. go. All we'll right. Well, we definitely will make that happen. All right. Charlie Klaus, co founder and CEO of Spark Golf. Look at this in real life. See, this isn't virtual. We didn't actually do this thing where actually I spliced together in Photoshop or uh, After Effects him pretending to be here. He's really here. And you know what? It's kind of nice. After two years, it's nice to have a conversation with an actual human being sitting beside me. Charlie, great to meet you. Thanks for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Great to meet you. Thank you, Colin. After my recording session with Charlie, I was invited by Jim Beatty and Dr. Michael Cooper to attend the Diversity and Inclusion Forum. They have been working tirelessly for years to make the $85 billion a year golf industry more welcoming and accessible for BIPOC and minority-led companies. Talk has finally turned into action as they now have the funding to support initiatives that are having a positive impact and making a difference. Join us next week for our episode with Jim Beatty as part of our Black History Month celebration. If you want a full recap of my eight days in Central Florida and my takeaways from golf's biggest industry event, check out my blog post on the Mod Golf Podcast website. Before we get back to my next conversation with Euphoria Golf founder and CEO Patrick Ferris, I wanted to thank one of our supporting partners, Golf Genius Software, for helping bring you this episode. Golf Genius powers tournament management at over 10,000 private clubs, public courses, resorts, golf associations, and tours in over 60 countries. So if you're a golf professional or course operator who wants to save time, deliver exceptional golf experiences, and generate more revenue, check them out online at golfgenius.com. Hey there, I'm Colin Weston with the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the entrepreneurs, innovators, disruptors, and influencers who are shaping the future of golf. And we are live at the PGA Show, where I have the pleasure of sitting next to Patrick Ferris, who is the founder of Euphoria Golf. I love this brand. I don't say that about a lot of brands. I do love this brand. Myself, growing up as a bit of a skate punk, extreme sports guy, and loving that, and then a bit of a punk vibe growing up also. 
love what you're going on. It's authentic, and I, uh, I want to hear the stories. So, Patrick, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Good to see you, man. Thanks, man. Hey. It's uh, been a long time. It has been. You and I have been <laughs> back and forth, and uh, here we are in real life. If you can see us, we're shooting our uh, YouTube video at the same time here. You can see there's no Photoshopping. There's no special effects. You can see, I, if I could dare to actually put my hand See, that's real. I didn't actually special effects that. He's actually here. So, hey, Patrick, I always like to start with this question. It's a bit of an icebreaker here. Get into your uh, what you're doing as an entrepreneur and a founder and all the good things with Euphoria. But I always like to start with golf. So talk to us about your first golf experience ever, like whatever age that was, when you first picked up a club, who introduced you to the game, and maybe share one golf moment, whether it was something that was crazy and a big fail or something that was epic and amazing. So maybe you can share those things with us. I think I was in like fourth grade. Or fourth grade? Did like a summer golf camp, like three days or something like that. All right. Did you want to, or is that begrudge you that your parents kind of push you out yeah, the door for that? Yeah, my dad pushed me into it. And <laughs> I was like, golf, are you kidding me? And it's like, just go play, you'll have fun. I'm like, all right. And I had fun, but didn't like any other people I was playing with or hanging out with at camp. I was just felt like I was totally out of place and like just kind of left at that. Yeah, yeah. So over the years, I'd play with my dad like once or twice a year on Father's Day or on his birthday. Always had fun, but it was just kind of like, yeah, I'll go do it with you, but that's as far as I want to go with it. There we go. Eventually, so, I found it. So, yeah, so we'll get into that. So, I want to hear. So, yeah, maybe share. Have you ever got a hole in one? What do you consider the best shot you've ever hit? Or maybe something you experienced that really lit you up there? Or maybe something that a friend did that was hilariously bad? All right. So, I've never had a hole in one. <laughs> I came close, like, the first year I played, like, three or four times. Really? It was, like, went right over the hole or grace. And I was like, ah. this is easy. Uh-huh. Easy yeah. game. But I think, like, one turning point was I went on a golf trip with my dad. Him and my uncle used to put on a trip, like, every year for, like, the last 20 years. Okay. To Myrtle Beach with a bunch of dudes. And so I just started playing golf. And he's like, come out for the trip. He's like, always oh, when you come out. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm going into it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of old dudes. It'd be nice to relax. I'll just drink beer on the beach, smoke cigars. It'll be, like, nice and low-key. I get there and it's a completely different atmosphere. Like, they're all going completely wild. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right, cool. So we go play golf the next day. First tee, my buddy just like drops his pants and he's wearing this underwear with like a big rubber duck on it. Nice. And I'm just like, what is going on? And, like, <laughs> and we're at like Grand Cypress or some course in Myrtle Beach, which is like super yeah. nice. And, like, yeah, traditional course. Yeah, right? like nicest yeah. course I've ever seen in my life at right. this point. And he's just totally wild. And I'm like, all right. This is a totally different side because I did not expect people who've been playing golf forever who are that old being that wild. I think that was like the final push of like, all right, golf can be cool. Then I was hooked. There we go. That was an inspirational moment. So you played a little bit growing up there, but it sounds like you were still on the sidelines a little bit, even though you were getting hooked to the game. So talk to me about with Euphoria. What, what was the aha moment or even before that? So what was your background before that? Were you in apparel or you're in design or what, what, yeah. what was your background that led up to the formation of the launch of Euphoria? Yeah, so I spent my whole life in action sports, mainly racing motocross. Okay. Um, and I did that for a career for a while. And then when I quit, I got into design and designing apparel, which I had kind of been doing my whole life anyways. Yeah. And then made the push to do it full time. So around the time I found golf, I was designing motocross apparel, gloves, jerseys, pants, helmets, that type of stuff. So when I started playing golf, I was like, golf gloves are kind of terrible. Yeah. And so I kept buying more and more golf gloves, more expensive ones, like $45 toward lovely. That has to be good at least. Yeah. 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 Same thing. Like rip after like five rounds. When it fit that great, I'm like, all right, is there seriously not, like, not a better option out here? Discovered there wasn't. I'm like, yeah. all right, there's a whole product category that no one's touched in 50 years. Gloves that people are playing now are the same design that they were back when Arnold Palmer played. 
you look at pictures, nothing has changed. Same leather, everything. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is crazy that there's an industry this big with a market that no one's touched in this product category. Interesting. It's like, all right, well, why can't I take some of this technology I'm using motocross and kind of apply it to like a golf glove and see if I can like make a hybrid glove that has modern performance characteristics and has the same feel and fit as like a traditional glove. See, that I find interesting. So was your motocross background, whatever you learned from that, part of your secret sauce that you brought over as far as the design thinking along that line. So speaking about gloves, is a, I think a good time to do this. So Patrick has been good enough. Of course, you got to watch the, the YouTube video if you're just listening on the podcast. You can't see this because you're using your ears right now. But he brought a glove for me. So I got to put this on right now. So this is when I'm extra large on my right hand. You can actually hear the, the Velcro there on the microphone. Let's try this out. So I got to put it on and then I got to hand model it here in front of the camera. So Patrick, tell me about this glove. I can tell already the feel and the look of it is different, but I, I'm going to let you tell our audience about the glove and the design and the aesthetic and all the good things here. Yeah, so the top hand is special material we developed. That's a cooling material and it's made to have like limited stretch. The problem with any hybrid glove yeah. is it stretch too much. You don't have that tight leather feel. I can feel that. Yep. Um, so that was like the whole goal of like, can we make a glove with an alternative material besides leather on top that still replicates that same feel? It took like three years to find, but we finally developed it and, and it's really nice because it's a cooling material and it's hot, like it sucks all the moisture out of your hand or out of the glove. And so the leather doesn't like degrade and turn into a piece of rawhide after a round. Yeah, I know that feeling. Definitely. So hold on. So I, I got to <laughs> catch you one thing. You said three years to develop. So tell us about that process. As far as I'm sure there were ups and downs and how you oh, iterated yeah. with the design. So talk about that of how you want to use the materials you're bringing over from motocross and making this happen. That wasn't even the material from motocross. Okay. That was something I tried hundreds of different materials. Really? To find something that would actually be tight and last and actually have some performance characteristics to it. And we finally found something close and we're like, all right, let's take that and see if we can put some other stuff into it and develop our own part of it. The entire glove process was a nightmare. A nightmare. Because no one's ever done it before. Yeah. Like factories that made motocross gloves, it's different from making a golf glove. And the leathers and the palm material are so different that you have to have a whole different tooling system in order to like accomplish it. So I tried finding so many different factories. There's probably like 12, 15 different places trying to find somebody to do it. And right. But finally got lucky. Got a contact from somebody. Basically, I can afford to do it with that company. The owner of that company was nice enough to call me afterwards and go, hey, I like what you're doing. He's like, I'll help you out. He's like, you're going to have to do all the work, but I'll give you the connections <laughs> to make it work. It's hilarious. Just turns out it was a factory I had worked with in the past for motocross. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And, and they're like probably the number one manufacturer in the world. And I was like, what a small world. It went full circle, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. So I want to ask you this, because with golf apparel, there's a lot of the big companies out there in golf that have gloves, as we know. So how do you, as a scrappy startup, how do you manage to get some market share? How, what, what are you doing to get the word out there? Are you Even with campaigns or marketing, are you doing things that are a little more irreverent, maybe different yeah. audience? So tell us about that as far as how you're positioning the, the product to get it in market. First content piece we really made about the gloves was actually like a motocross golf video. Yeah. shot on a abandoned golf course during COVID. To me, that was kind of like putting everything full circle of like, here's where we started, here's why it started, and here's how we got here type thing. And the fact that the gloves work for motocross just as much as they do for golf. And so that was kind of our thing to be like, here's something completely different that the golf world's never seen. Yeah. And we have a product here because of like this ideology. So that's where we started with like content. And we basically just do a lot of action sports fired content with surfers and snowboarders and motocross guys. and try to showcase that like hey all these guys are also playing golf golf kind of fits in the same spectrum of snowboarding skateboarding stuff 
doesn't make sense why it does. But yeah, it does. yeah, yeah. Um, and so just trying to bring more awareness to that on the brand side of stuff and then showcase the products in that environment. Gotcha, gotcha. So if I remember correctly, I think Ricky Fowler is a, is an ex-motocross uh, guy. I don't know if you've tried to get uh, one of these in his hands quite yet, or maybe he's got other sponsors that doesn't like, really I let have, you do that. But I have one degree of separation with him in okay. like 12 different ways. All right. I've never been able to actually get in contact with him. But yeah, that was like the goal when I first started. I was like, well, who else would be better to yeah. wear this than him? But You yeah. think he would get it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. like 100%. 100%. So let's take it back to the show here. Uh, I'm sure you spent some time walking around. How, how's it been so far as far as the reception that you've had with the product? How are you going about connecting with new people? And what do you want to accomplish at the show here this week? It's been good. We've met a lot of people this week that I kind of wanted to meet. Yeah. Actually made that happen for once. So <laughs> just like, like, oh, I, I'll try tomorrow. And you're like, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I've just been pretty much walking around and hanging out with some of my friends here who are pretty connected with people. And yeah. They've just been introduced to me and just try and get a little bit more exposure yep. in the right circles so we can kind of like kind of raise the there. awareness of uh, yeah. the product yeah. yeah and we've been doing this for four years now. four years four years so i understand what is your distribution model right now buy online at your website or are you actually in retails or do you have partners so if people yeah, a little hybrid of everything yeah um, mainly online we have some pro shops some wholesalers we have pretty big presence in like japan and korea and we're continuing to grow that and we're getting distribution over in Korea now. So it's mainly online, but we're starting to fill up the other areas and get some more growth. Okay. And Euphoria is not just golf gloves. So what else do you have going on? The way I designed this company was to be like, all right, let's make golf gloves that anybody in golf to like love and appreciate. And whether you're a pro golfer or country club guy or whatever, like anybody can appreciate them. And then the other side of the company is the brand, which is more apparel and lifestyle apparel. Yeah. We're basically like a skate brand and golf clothing. I agree. <laughs> probably the best way to put it. Um, that's what drew me to it in the first place, right? right. I figured I had, so I had to get you on the show here because you are definitely outside of the golf box. And with the styling and the culture and the attitude and the tribe you're creating around that to yeah. bring them into golf. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I got in golf. I was like, I love the sport. I hate the culture. I'm going to play this forever. Within a month, I was like, oh, shit. I'm going to have to play this the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm going <laughs> to do that. Like, I might as well try to do something to make it more appealing to me. And then, so I feel comfortable in it. I think that's why I was out of golf for so long or pushed away from it. It's just I'd show up in like skate shirt and vans and everything else. And yeah. Look at you and you're just like, yeah, I feel like a complete idiot. Yeah, right you're now. just dismissed, right? Um, so yeah, you're not a golfer. And so the whole thing was like, if we can do that with the glove and like use that as a vehicle break in the industry, then we can push our agenda growing like the alternative space of golf and just trying to offer different stuff that your non traditional golfer would actually want to wear. Yeah, yeah. And how are you finding when, let's say, you and your friends show up to a golf course, perhaps you haven't played at before, they don't know you, and you show up wearing Euphoria kit head to toe, do you sometimes get people kind of give you the side eye there? You get, get oh, some yeah. people give you some, some issues yep. there? Yeah. It's not as much as you think. Like, it yeah. surprised me. Just normally, I'm like, this is going to be something. Yeah. <laughs> and generally, you go and talk to them for a few minutes, within a couple of minutes, you're like, oh, I love what you guys are doing, and show them with love. Like, I've walked in there, and they're like, no, no, we don't want to buy anything. Yeah. Here, just check out what I'm have. Like, I don't care if you buy anything. Yeah, Give yeah. Me five minutes, and then within five minutes, you're like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" Blah blah. And it's cool to see golf's changing because even like when we first started to now, like the level of like acceptance of abnormal stuff is becoming more acceptable, and even in the higher, more strict areas of golf. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Have you found? Have you gone to a golf course yet, and they've challenged you that you don't fit the dress code requirements, yes. or they've actually yes. asked you to leave? Or I actually have friends or ambassadors who like wear my stuff. They're like, we can't wear some of these shirts at the country club. They won't let us because it's got like a big bat print on the back of it. Yeah, yeah. Like that's so ridiculous. Well, things are changing. 
I think you, you, you probably like that too in a way. Well, it's kind yeah, of, I, I love it. You like that irreverent thing, thing, right? Somebody who's a member at a golf course who pays money to go there, you should wear whatever the hell you want. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's my thing about it. But yeah, I think it's awesome. Doing what we do, pissing some people off, is kind of part of the equation. Yeah, yeah. As you know. <laughs> well, you got to be, it's part of being the disruptor, right? Well, you yeah, got to shake things up a little bit. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah. If it's not fun, then why do it? So. <laughs> uh, that is a good mantra for life. If it's not fun, why do it? Yep. I like that one. I got to be using that one more. Yeah. That's and awesome. and that, that's the cool thing about golf is in action sports, everything's been done 10 times over. Like, yeah. Everything cool or innovative or creative, you can't do anything more than what's been done. It's really hard. And in golf, it's like a blank slate where nothing's been done. It's just been here. We're going down this path for the next 60 years. And then someone's like, oh, hey, but you can do all this stuff. And there's so many different versions of golf outside of just your traditional 18 holes. And I think the more alternative mindsets that come into the sport and realize, hey, there's so many different versions of what golf can be. And like, it's still golf at the end of the day. Yeah. And how many more people are going to get involved in it because of that? Because, yeah, they might not want to go play 18 holes, but like, you know, hit balls in the alleyway after work or something and have like play a little street golf with their buddies for also a $3 club at Goodwill. Like, Eventually, they're going to find the 18-hole course. So I think it's super cool. But I think that's what excited me most about golf. Is like, yeah. Once I got into it, I realized how many different layers of it there was. It wasn't just one solar singular thing. Yeah, that is true. And that's expanding. And I don't know if you've talked to them yet, but it's a great opportunity at the show here with the PGA of America with their Make Golf Your Thing campaign they've had running for the last little while and making golf more inviting a bit more edgy and just more just out of the traditional culture yeah, of golf so you may want to go talk to those guys because i think your your brand uh, aligns find out if they're really walking the walk with their, yeah, their well, messaging <laughs> there to make it more accessible that right? would be the benchmark test <laughs> there we go could definitely be so yeah you have to let me know uh, patrick how that goes have that conversation yeah, and, and sure. see if they're uh, they're leaning in or if they're running away i know some people over there i bet you they'd lean in and have a conversation with you though without question so, okay let, let's finish up here with with this so uh sounds like you're getting some traction now you've been at it for four years and i got lots of friends that are in the soft goods apparel space and, and golf and it's crowded and there's a lot of big players and it's it's hard and sounds like you're finding your way by knowing who you are and who you're not. And that's that's really great. So what do you see? What is your hope for the next 12 months for 2022? What are you looking to accomplish that you can share with us? Really just expanding our presence. I think that's the main goal for 2022 is just letting people know what we're doing and, and continuing to create the content we're doing and products, continuing to update our product line and basically take what we've started with and double down on it and really like make a push this year to kind of start becoming like the known brand for like the alternative golf space. Nice, nice. Have you got a bag behind you? Do you have any t-shirts in there or any hoodies have, or anything here? So, so once again, our listeners won't be able to see this. Your stuff's all kind of relaxed fit. Yeah. I think I'm 6'1", 185. I'm, I don't know, I'll let you decide. Probably a large. So even though our listeners, you won't be able to see these, obviously, because it's a podcast, our viewers on YouTube can, what we're about to show you here, but I'll include some pictures in the show notes and on the episode page so you'll be able to see there. And also we'll include the links to uh, Euphoria Golf. So, okay, I'm going to pull this out of the bag here. Got to say, first of all, liking the branding here, clean, aesthetic, certainly into that. Dang, look at this. All right. So I got to turn this one around. So tell me about this one, Patrick. Yeah, so these are Lux Polos, and we do laser cut holes like throughout them, so like in the armpits yeah, yeah. and in the neck. This is called the Tiger Army. Little uh, nod to the goat. Yeah, yeah, liking that, liking that. What else do you have here? So this one is a button-up called the Golden Age. Nice. It's all like 70s inspired montage collage. Nice, why don't you hold that up a little closer to the camera there. Right. There we go. Love it, love it. <laughs> Same thing with laser cut holes. And then 
Got one more to show you here. Here, we'll start with the front here. I've seen this one on your website here, so we'll start with the front, but it's all about the back on this one here. So tell us about this one. So this is a golf boy, which is not uh, allowed at most country clubs, apparently. <laughs> and it's a little uh, tribute to Hugh Hefner, because apart from what Playboy is, I think he was super progressive and like just pushing so many different agendas and like changing like the face of America, really. Yeah. I was like researching one day and like totally fell in love with like what the guy did. And I was like, oh, I should make a golf shirt about it. There so we go. That's where it came from. Done. There it is. Apparently not allowed to be worn on all golf courses around North America. Some, but not all of them yet. <laughs> go from there. So, hey, Patrick, as we finish up here, why don't you let our listeners and our viewers know where they can check out all your all your stuff here and where they can learn more. Yeah. Um, you check us out on Instagram at uh, euphoriagolf.com. It's E-U-F-O-R-E-I-A, golf, spelled like four. And uh, online at euphoriagolf.com. There we go. And as I always do in the show notes, I will include all the links to those to make it nice and easy for you to find out what Patrick is up to with Euphoria Golf. And who knows, maybe you'll even order a, a Golf Boy shirt and see if you can wear that shirt on your local golf course or if you're asked to cover it up or leave. So there. And if you do, we'd love to hear some feedback on that. I'll send you a free shirt if you do. Oh, there we go. <laughs> There's the Euphoria Challenge just thrown down by Patrick there. So uh, why don't we leave that? So hey, Patrick Ferris. Pleasure to meet you, man. Yeah, you too, man. Yeah, this is great. We'll leave it at that. Him and I are going to walk back out on the show and uh, see some more awesome things. So once again, Patrick Ferris, founder of Euphoria Golf. Thanks for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Hell yeah. Here we go. Cheers. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.